Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is all about how to reimagine your career to get unstuck in midlife. I have an interview for you today, and I know you're really going to love it. I had the privilege of checking in with a past client who has made some pretty big changes since our work together. And I have to say, this is one of the biggest perks of my job. When my clients come to me, most of them have a few things in common. They don't see what's possible, and they don't really even know how to think about it in a guided way. And even though I don't know what they should do, I see why they are stuck. The way that they're thinking that is keeping them stuck is is just really clear to me. So I totally see the possibility, the possibility of movement moving forward. I don't know the exact GPS point that they're going to set, but I know it's possible for them to figure it out. This is also what happened to me when I was stuck. I couldn't see what was possible. I wanted some smart friend of mine to tell me what to do. (laughs) And this is really why private coaching is so different than simply listening to a podcast or reading a great book. It's a real opportunity to give yourself the gift of getting help to go deep on a consistent basis and get feedback and coaching to get greater perspective on your thinking. I wish I would have known about coaching when I was so stuck for five years. You end up making a gradual shift in not only what you're thinking, but also your clarity, your confidence and courage, all of it. It kind of, it's kind of like taking your power back. It's really life-changing work. Now, if you're interested in doing this kind of meaningful, deep coaching with me, grab your free Get Unstuck call and get your name into my calendar, please. Just go to www.talktosusie.com. You'll hear a lot more about how the process of coaching actually works to help you get unstuck and ready to move forward with all kinds of confidence today, too, with this interview with my past client, Dr. Laura Blaisdell. Laura is an amazing woman in the middle who felt stuck. She's a board-certified public health-trained pediatrician who reached the pinnacle of her practice, but found herself wanting to do more. She watched her kids getting older, too, and overall, she just wasn't as happy as she wanted to be. She knew that she could make a bigger impact, too, but wasn't at all clear how. Through coaching and mindfulness work, Laura was able to grow forward and challenge herself in really significant and meaningful ways. She pivoted her career by asking herself a lot of hard questions and ultimately reimagining her skills and interests. She also took a close look at what she enjoyed about her advocacy work and her professional medical experiences and turned them into a successful consulting business with a focus and expertise in vaccine policy and camp medicine. Her unique path forward resulted in a beautiful blend of her love of medicine, public health, and people. I think you'll be able to apply a lot from Laura's experience to your own life. So please enjoy this interview. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Thanks, Susie, for having me. It's great to be back talking to you again. Oh my gosh, I was so excited to have you on because you have really gotten unstuck. (laughs) We're going to talk all about it because when we first met, you were a client and you were very stuck. So tell, let's talk about it. Tell us a little bit about yourself first and then we'll dive into that stuckness. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I I was a practicing pediatrician in a private practice. And um, like many um, in in the area of medicine, I was always an overachiever, always doing what was expected of me, um, always looking for the next thing, always trying to strive for perfection. 
And, you know, I, I climbed to the top of that ladder and um, just found myself um, with a lot of questions about, you know, where do I go from here? What is what is my continued growth? I had, uh, you know, kids who I, through my profession, um, had missed a lot of their upbringing um, and they were getting older. They were in middle school and high school. And, you know, like a lot of things that women deal with, um, you know, I just wondered, is this it? Is this, is this what I'm doing now? And, and I felt (laughs) frankly a little, you know, like you said, stuck and, um, and not, and really did not want to waste the opportunity of a lifetime um, uh, to do something that was meaningful, something that I felt proud uh, of doing. And, and it's weird to say as a pediatrician, I was no longer feeling proud. I certainly felt incredible joy in, in uh, helping the families that I did. But I also found that um, I was ready for, uh, for more personal growth. Yes, that's it. You know, because I'm really glad that you started talking about reaching the pinnacle and being so successful in your career. And what I find so much with women our age is that sometimes we're not in our 50s when we hit this funk. And for you, you were in your early 40s. That's right. And I remember listening to your podcast the first time I, I pulled it up because uh, Katrina Ubel was, is, you know, another pediatrician or uh, life coach. And uh, I remember thinking, am I in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> I was 40, I don't know, 44, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think you had mentioned that working with a lot of women who have had really kind of very demanding professions, it's, it's somewhat like we've lived a couple of decades um, by the time that we were in practice. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that, that feeling was very much like what I, when I talked to women who might be, you know, a decade, my senior. Exactly. So it's not so much age, it's a combination of age and stage. And sometimes it's just stage, right? It's right. that narrow focus. You've been so focused and so goal oriented and so, um, overachieving that you get kind of spat out at the other end of it and you catch right. your breath and you look around and go, Ooh, I like how you said it. it's like, I guess I'm doing this now. <laughs> right. It somehow felt chosen for me. And so much of medicine is that it's what's the next thing that I need to do to succeed um, and to be successful. And uh, uh, you know, it felt the, the lack of autonomy when I was, but when I was came out at the end and, and then all of a sudden realizing, is this what I chose to do? You know, and I think uh, that's where I, I decided to reach out to you to go through um, your really conserved process of thinking about it because, you know, so many of us have dedicated so much time and education uh, to get to where we are. Um, and it behooves us to be mindful about how to move on and how to move through. I think it's amazing that you had that epiphany that you wanted to get some help. Like I remember this exact moment and it's kind of funny because I'm looking at you on zoom right now and you're in a space that has paneling. And I am just really remembering back to the moment that I had that same thought. And for me, it was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm not content anymore. Right. Like I hadn't had that thought. I was content for the longest time, 15 years. Right. And then all of a sudden, I remember sitting in a space that looked very much like where you're at. And I was facing the phone. And I was just like, I had a pause and I had a pen in my hand. And I just thought to myself, you know, geez, I don't even think I'm content anymore. What's right. happening? <laughs> right. Right. And when that thought comes, it, it tends to uh, expand. <laughs> oh, yes. What you focus on does expand. I think Oprah right. taught us that. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you think helped you have that epiphany? You know, how was that day different than any other day? Do you remember? Was it something you heard or did something happen? Was there a wake up call? Why were you open to it? I think, I mean, I have, I have a, a life partner who has really always challenged me, you know, and, and um, when I mentioned to him that I was, you know, feeling somewhat stuck, uh, he said, of course you did. You know, you, I've, you've always been somebody who's going to grow. And so I think it, it's, it was helpful to have a life partner who was, you know, pushing me along. I think also, you know, at that point, um, you know, I, as a person who um, tends to be a, a leader, I found doors stopping me from doing leadership 
Um, and I, I, I felt that the um, perspectives that others had of me in that work environment um, were so disparate from what I knew I was capable of um, or w- what I wanted to do in my life. And so th- I, was, I was around small thinkers and I am not a small thinker. And I just, I felt um, rejected uh, and I felt held back. Um, and, um, of course all these Midwestern guilt feelings of, well, well, you shouldn't think you're so, so big if for your britches that you should expect more, you know, you got to put in your time, Blaisdell. <laughs> so, um, and I think it was that, that being held back that just made me want to bust out and just, um, plus a partner who, who really, um, encouraged me to do so. Yeah. And what's interesting is you weren't necessarily holding yourself back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So there's that feeling of not being in control, but yeah. not complete, like just slowly waking up to this idea that you're not in control, because when you're so self-directed, you feel in control for the longest time. Right. Right. And then you weren't. Think, yeah. And when we first met, I, I remember, you know, I was looking at, at jobs in healthcare leadership and you said, well, why don't you go ahead and apply for a couple? You know, and so I did. And I just felt, ugh. Like, I don't want to do that, you know, like, and so it really helped kind of crystallize that um, I was not headed in the right direction. Um, if, and that's where I always thought that I would go. That's so interesting. A lot of times we don't know what we really think until we have a strong reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how did you know that you were in a midlife funk? What really helped you figure that out? I think perhaps the degree of online shopping I was doing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I felt I felt like I kept trying things like I, I was like, oh, I think I'll get a new sweater. Oh, nope, that didn't make me feel better. OK, I think I'm going to try to learn to play the ukulele. Uh, that didn't really make me feel better. I think I'm going to try a new fad diet. <laughs> you know? So I kept going through these sort of like machinations of of myself. And and um, finally, it just dawned on me one day that I wasn't professionally satisfied. And um I also didn't know what to make of my thought process. Um, it was all over the place. It was very emotional, um, very reactive. And I just, you know, when we first started talking and you introduced me to Brooke Castillo's podcast and, you know, which is, which is the same school of thought that you um, life coach from, it just, it just dawned on me that I needed to get control of my mind and my emotions um, and, and stop, um, I don't know if it, it's Brooke or you who told me about the, the, the cart where the horses don't have anybody <laughs> driving them, you know, your thoughts are just driving around your head. And I, and I was being pulled by them as opposed to being constructive and directive with my life. Um, and I think, you know, we, I got to this point in my life and I just realized how valuable time is, you know, when you see your kids grow up and you see, um, you know, you've been doing a job for 15 years, you know, it, it all of a sudden dawned on me that in 15 years, I would be 60. Uh, and that I better start to figure it out. And so that's when I, I reached out to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that you mentioned that because so many of us haven't done that sort of work to see, oh, how old will I be in that many years? We just think, Oh, I'll, I'll go that place. I'll go to that place in five years, or I want to do this trip while the kids are still young or, um, yeah, I think I want to retire in about 10 years, but until we actually write it down and see, Oh, 15 years is 60. That's interesting. 15 years. It felt like it was much farther away than that. Correct. Or, oh, I want to take these, it happened to me with the trips. Oh, I I had these ideas of the kind of trips I wanted to take with the kids, but I was having these ideas when they were in high school. I'm like, "Uh, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Exactly. Where'd that time go? Yeah. You know, it is. It is that that sort of stopping and taking stock of where we are. And I think, you know, working with you, you do, you do sort of the retrospective. Where were you when you were 25? Where were you when you were 35? Um, what sorts of things were consistent about the things you love to do in your childhood and your youth. And, you know, it, and it, it's really a pivot point at that middle time where we are now is how can I, 
how can I cast forward those same things that I've always loved to do? And I think we put them aside, particularly, you know, women who are working and women who are mothers and women who are, are you know, have partners. We put so much aside of ourselves um, in order to balance all of the pieces. Um, and it, it was time for me to reclaim, you know, center stage in my life. Um, and, and start to pay attention to who I was, um, because it was clear that me being unhappy didn't make for a great, a great partner or a great mom. You know, my kids say when mom's not happy, nobody ain't happy. (laughs) (laughs) So true. I love that you use the word reclaim, because what I find is that when we do this kind of work, um, it really is about reclaiming. It's not that you never had it. Right. Think back to the way you were when you were all excited about your future yeah. in your early 20s, you know? Yeah. yeah. You knew how to plan. You knew what lit you up. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew, like, I knew what I wanted to, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew the flavors of it. You know, I knew it was big. I knew it was, I knew that I'd feel proud of myself. I knew it would be challenging. I knew it would take some courage. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, I was expecting somebody to put it in front of me. Mm -hmm. And um, the moment, I I think it was a very big epiphany when I realized I needed to put it in front of me and, and the, you know, the indulgent emotions, as you call them of confusion and uncertainty. And I don't know, I think I don't know was one of my favorite phrases. I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. When do you, how long do you want to practice? I don't know. What do you want to eat for dinner? I don't know. (laughs) I just wanted one of my smart friends to tell me what to do. Right, right. <laughs> figure it out. You know, somebody figure it out for me. And, and you know, you know, I, I guess it was a, a huge epiphany for me when you said, well, sit down and figure it out. You know, spend a day, write it down. You know, what, what if it was? And then, you know, the, the, the conversations we had about, well, what if that's not what I want? And you're like, so what if it's not? <laughs> so you do it and then you decide that you don't want to do it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Making decisions, as long as you keep moving forward, that's where all the power is. Like, again, like we were speaking about earlier, sometimes you don't even really know until you give it voice or you write it down and then you see it and then it just helps you think about it. Right. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, as I'm sitting here, I'm I'm back doing some clinical medicine and I sat down one day and, and I thought, I don't know if I want to go back into clinical medicine. I don't know if I want that as part of my life. And I really just sat down and wrote it down. And, and then I decided that I didn't want to, there were certain aspects of medicine that I didn't want. And I found a, a position that didn't have those. And I love it. <laughs> go figure. Right. <laughs> so you brought up a couple of things that I wanted to follow up on. Um, one thing was about that exercise. It's one of my favorite exercise when we look for joy at different parts of our life. So what really came up for you? I ask clients to go through their lives in different chapters and they can decide whatever chapters are relevant to them. Most of the time it's age or grade or if there was a big transition in your life. And so uh, we're looking for joy. We're not looking for trauma. Usually when we think about our lives, it's like, whoa, well, that's when my parents got divorced or when that's when we moved. But this is just, now what made you really happy when you were 10? And what made you really happy in junior high? And what really stood out for you then? Because what I find is whatever has made us happy in the past is highly likely to make you happy in some way in the future. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, for me, it's always been, you know, people and engaging with people engaging um, my curiosity. You know, I'm a very highly curious person. And, and so it was, it was clear that I needed to continue to be curious and and medical school and training really is about curiosity and learning. Um, But physical practice of medicine, perhaps not less so. Um, It it continues to be some but not as much. And so I think people, um, big complex projects and complex um, problems that um, require leadership and require um, somebody to help put the disparate parts together. I was always taking things apart and putting mm. them back together, and um, you know, always um, leading fun things and complex things. And it was that 
that complexity combined with people that has always been part of my passion. Um, and science is and math has always been part of that as well. So um, I, you know, I thought medicine would be that perfect mix. And, you know, it, it got me to where I am. And I'm really grateful for that. And it provided a great foundation to where I've spring springboarded to. Right. But the system aspect of it, the big part of it, the complex part of it is what was missing. Yeah. Yeah. And and the ability for me to do it my way, you know, um, as unorthodox as it is, um, as you know, medicine continues to have some very hierarchical um, paternalistic uh, flavors to it. And um, the the way that I work and um, think and interact isn't always um, coherent with it, with those, with those structures. And so, you know, coming into projects that I could lead, um, and then coming into consulting, um, you know, so thinking about, well, I not only lead the project, but what if I get paid for leading the project, <laughs> um, you know, novel concept, um, has just, you know, really allowed me to blossom, um, and do things the way that I, I thought they should be done. And it's turned out so far so good. <laughs> That's amazing. And that really touches on the other thing that you identified was that just responding to things isn't where it's at for you anymore, but creating yeah. is yeah. really what you needed. Yeah. So tell us what happened. So you had this clinical practice, you mm-hmm. were stuck, and mm-hmm. then what happened? Well, I, I think I thought, you know, oh, it'll be three years, five years, and I'll, I'll, then I'll, you know, step, step down. And, and I think I, I started working with you in July. And by December, I left my practice. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the same happened for one of my, my partners that I worked with as well. Once we realized, you know, what was out there in front of us, we couldn't wait. Um, and so, uh, I, I gave my leave, uh, and I had six months, um, um, in order, uh, turnaround time in order to, to leave. So by the following year after meeting you, I had left my practice and, um, you know, part of the, the struggle. And I think, I can't remember what your, which of your, um, guests talked about, you know, just leaving and not filling the space. Um, oh, after- yes. Her name was Rose. Yes. 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 And so I, I thought that that would be really good for me, this, you know, kind of career driven, out, outcomes driven person um, needing to figure out who she was in this new space is just to leave time um, and space. And, you know, you helped me look at that from a financial perspective. And uh, my, my life partner helped uh, support me so immensely in saying, yeah, just do nothing, you know, do nothing. And, and that was the, one of the best advice ever was to just take time and take stock. And I got to enjoy my children. I got to be, you know, the, the mom who brought brownies <laughs> finally <laughs> uh, to, to, uh, to, to tracks um, uh, and, and to be the person at home, which was really, which is really lovely too. Yeah. So just to be clear, one of the things about coaching is that I don't tell you what to do. And as much as I dreamed about having somebody tell me what to do, (laughs) nobody told me what to do either. But the gift is that it's a guided way to help you get greater perspective on your thinking. So you give yourself the space to think and then you challenge yourself. So you don't just agree with yourself all the time. You start asking yourself why. So when it comes to this idea of having quiet time, that's unfilled space, obviously you were uncomfortable with it. So we got to look at why, what are you making it mean to have time that's not completely calendared? So tell us a little bit about what that experience was like, because you were squirming. Oh, I was very uncomfortable with, um, with not having, you know, moments to moments filled. It was kind of like at the airport when you've been on the fast walk. And you come off and you kind of are falling forward. You know? Just, uh, I think I spent a couple of months falling forward, just not knowing which way was up. And you know, I would get up in my house and walk to a corner and be like, "What am I doing? <laughs> I don't. Know. I'm, I'm on my way to someplace." <laughs> um, but I, I think that that was the time where I really grabbed hold of my thought process um, and did a lot of the journaling and the labeling of thoughts and emotions and outcomes. 
and really started training my brain to, to notice the thought process and to notice the judgment, the, the self-judgment or the anxiety that certain thoughts brought up. Why is it creating anxiety? Because I have self-doubt. Um, why do you have self-doubt? <laughs> you know, um, why does Laura Blaisdell, MD, MPH have self-doubt? Um, you know, uh, and really work on rechanneling the pro- the thought processes into not like why would somebody hire me because I don't have expertise in that particular area to um, why wouldn't you hire me I am you know a competent person in these areas and and I can speak to this as well as anyone so it it really you know um, there were many you know dark moments um, of fear. And um, I, I'm not sure my life partner was quite happy with the fact that I, I uh, um, learned a new way to communicate. <laughs> it's frustrating when you can't push the same buttons <laughs> as you always have. Um, but I found myself um, able to control my thoughts and my emotions in a way that put me into places um, that required those skills of, of controlling my thoughts and emotions and really was the thing that allowed me to blossom um, past, you know, where not, you know, we talk about where I was in career, but where I was um, in my thought process and who I thought I could be, who I thought I could become, all of that changed in that mo- in the, in those months where I sat still and, and really focused on, and you challenged, you know, my, 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 some of my assumptions you know, what, what do you, what do you want to do? I don't know. Right. Well, why don't you figure it out? Uh, You know, at least let's, let's at least label some of the things you want to feel, you know, when you are there, I want to feel proud. Right. So, okay, let's, let's check proud against the list of things that you might consider doing. Um, So I, I think that it was that, that was, that's what I would call my chrysalis stage. You know, I had to leave um, the frantic, eating of leaves caterpillar stage (laughs) to um to go into that sort of chrysalis and and take stock it's really a gift that you gave yourself you know to press pause it it was i i wish that i could um, inspire other women who are listening to know that you're worth it um that there's really nothing more to life than appreciating who you are and enjoying your time um, and, and making it your own. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to reach out and thank you. Oh my gosh. And really it's reclaiming. We're back to that word reclaiming. And, and it's because you honor yourself and you value yourself and it, you recognized it was important to do because you were really not being the best person right. that you could be without allowing yourself that pause. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other, the other concept that I really love working with you, Susie, is that you can like where you are and you can hate where you are and you're the same person. <laughs> exactly. Right? Um, you just have to like your reasons for staying or like your reasons for leaving. Um, and, and that was a really big aha moment for me. Was that you know? I think I think I actually did spend some time um, trying to like where I was. Like we spent some time talking about you know mm-hmm. what would have to change in order for you to feel like you're you're happy where you are, and that helped crystallize a lot of things for me. Was and um, you know there are some things I decided to stay in because I just needed to change how I was responding to the situation as opposed to changing the situation or the circumstance. Oh, that's exactly true. And so many of us think that we just need something to change to be happy. We don't understand how responsible we are for our emotions. We don't get it until we get it. And then what you described as getting more control over your thoughts is that shift that happens during coaching. Because when most of my clients come to me, just like you. It's like, I am so stuck. I don't even know what I'm thinking. Oh, there's a squirrel. I'm going to think right. that. I'm going to feel that. Oh, there's a, oh, that squirrel's brown. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. And it's yeah. just so, I always call it a chaotic blur, but that's how we live our lives for a good 15, 20, 25 years. Yeah. And then to pause, it is confusing. We yeah. are stuck. We don't know why we're stuck. We don't know what 
we're thinking. I had a coach working with me a couple of months ago and she asked me a question and I just stopped in my tracks and I went, I don't even know. She asked me what my ideal workday looked like. And I just went, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, wow, that's a great question. I right. should, I should have a dream about that. I should have an ideal workday in mind that's guiding me rather than just, oh, there's a squirrel. The a squirrel reactive. shouldn't be guiding me. Yeah. A reactive workday, right? Absolutely. So that's really what was happening. And, um, I love that you experienced that. Would you, what most of my clients have told me is they call it a shift. It's yeah. just that gradual shift of owning emotions and being able to watch thoughts. So when you kind of shift into that ability not to believe everything you think and you start watching your thoughts mm-hmm. like uh, like a thought bubble you know, above right. your head, right. that's where all your power is. It's like, right. wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm so and curious the, and, that I'm thinking that. Right. And the question I love to ask myself is what are you making that mean? Exactly. Um, and, you know, it, it's something I've asked friends or my, my life partner, you know, well, what are you making that mean? Even my children, they're like, you know, mom, you're mad at me. Why do you, why would you say that I'm mad at you? Um, you know, because you, you have, you're making a face. I'm like, why did you make that face mean that I was mad at you? <laughs> you know? Maybe I'm, I'm just making a weird face. <laughs> I'm just making a weird face. I'm thinking. <laughs> So, you know, I think we, we make things, uh, the, the more that I evaluated my own thoughts, the more I thought, I, re- I realized how much I made everything mean. Um, and I, I thought I was so smart, you know, that I had, I was making things mean things. And, and sometimes they just don't, you know, it's, you can't, you're not in control. We're not in control of what others make our actions mean. Um, and so it's so it's freeing in that regard um, to realize that I don't have any control of what other people think of me. I, I need to feel proud about myself and kind of focus on whether or not I'm doing that, which I, I I'm proud of myself. And exactly that. that pride's a feeling and it comes from your thoughts. It doesn't right. come from that person. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And pride is such a beautiful feeling, too, because when you're our age, there aren't a lot of opportunities for pride, the way it was when we were smaller and there were accolades and we had lots of goals and we were just more public about things. There were more public expressions and a chance to rise in those venues. And now it's not like that. Pride is much more personal, but still that opportunity to feel proud. Like when I got this podcast off the ground in 2017, yeah. I really did feel pride. I'm like, yeah, wow, yeah. I did something with technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you you you're excelling at it. Not only you know, so oh, thank you. Yeah. It's really fun to reach to reach women this way all over the world. You know, who are gardening and putting on makeup and driving the car, and I yeah. get the. I, the testimonials, sometimes on iTunes, those reviews, I yeah. burst into tears, you know, when somebody has shared something so personal that yeah. whatever we were talking about on the podcast really helped them, you yeah. know, and that's what's going to happen today. Your story of being scared and stuck and being, you know, very successful. You were very successful, Completely. right? And yeah. everything looked yeah. good on paper. Everything looked great <laughs> on paper. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. but still you were stuck. And then to do something so scary, yeah, just really say goodbye to the success path that you knew. Yeah. For yeah. the unknown. Yeah. And I remember the time that I was listening to your podcast. You know, I was traveling with my family in Spain and I was sitting just watching people walking on the street listening to your podcast. And mm-hmm. something just shifted in me and I was like, I need to work with this woman. <laughs> Oh um, my gosh. We were but, in Spain together. So exciting. Yes, we <laughs> Remember when we traveled? That was so great. <laughs> but, you know, and I, to whoever listens to this story is, you know, that, that I guess I, I just want to let people know that no matter who you are, whether you're, you know, uh, a successful business person or a physician or, um, a stay-at-home mom, um, that, or a person who's, you know, the sandwich generation taking care of both of her parents and her children at the same time, that, you know, that there is a place and a, a way to be content um, in, in each of those situations. 
um, but it requires a deliberate process um, and, a, exactly. and a choice, a choice to make to make that change and to step into that change. A, a choice to allow yourself to be happy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And that is a common regret that people have, that they don't allow themselves to be happy because the way we're brought up, we just think that some people are lucky and they get the lucky gene and they're happy and content and clear about what it is they want to do. And that's really, that's not what life is like. Right. A little more messy. (laughs) A little more messy. So the thing I love about your story is how you figured out the stuff that you loved in medicine and how you've been able to apply it to your new career in consulting. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, another another aspect of what I've always liked is being an advocate. And I think as a pediatrician, we are, we are advocates for children. Um, and so um, I started doing more advocacy roles um, and had time to do larger advocacy legislation um, in, in vaccine legislation here in Maine. Um, large public roles um, in a very contentious situation um, and um, found myself on TV ads and <laughs> um, uh, but found myself really, you know, if, if, a, if a mom who's a pediatrician can't stand up and speak on behalf of, of the, the pillar of the foundation of you know, modern medicine, which vaccination is one, then who's going to? And I had created this space. So all of a sudden I could. Um, so, um, I, I loved working in that, that advocacy realm and then, um, decided, you know, with a little, with your help, um, to go ahead and start my consulting business. And it was kind of a field of dreams, right? I didn't know exactly who would pay me to do work, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, I, I figured, you know, build it and, and they will come. And so I started putting it together, starting to put together, you know, the development of the LLC, the, um, website. Um, and, and all of that process helped me crystallize what I, what I liked. Um, I liked working with people. I liked big, complex problems. Um, so, you know, when COVID hit um, and um, my husband uh, runs a boys summer camp, we had to decide, um, you know, uh, when, when and if the state allowed us to open, whether we would or not. Um, and so that is a huge, big, complex problem. Um, and I started um, not only creating protocols for our camp, but protocols for camps across Maine and protocols for camps across the U.S. Um, and where I all of a sudden found myself on Zoom calls with 9,000 people. And, um, you know, it, and it, it wasn't a plan. It, I mean, well, certainly the pandemic was nobody's plan. Um, but, but you basically it, became the COVID camp queen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, the CCQ. <laughs> Yes. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, operating camp allowed me to combine public health, which is, um, you know, my, my area in public health, I studied, it was infectious disease. And, um, uh, so combined public health and pediatrics and children. Um, and, um, my sons were both able to be at camp. So not only then I got to combine family and then doing something so challenging that required you know, us to be courageous and steadfast um, and detail-minded and great communicators. Um, so all of those things were fabulous. And then I was able to be published at the end of the year, at the end of the camp season in the CDC MMWR um, because I had done all these things. So now what are, do- oh, wait a second. Not everybody's a physician <laughs> who's listening. Sorry, to- Sorry I a used lot a lot of initials. There. Right. Where were you published? I was published this, the, the, the Center for Disease Control has a, has a, a, pub, a weekly publication. And um, I published a, uh, the success of four main summer camps in preventing and mitigating the, the spread of um, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID in the camp setting. Um, so of course we, you did. Of course I did, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's the sort of thing, you know, and, and it doesn't, it, you know, I, I say it, but it's the sort of thing I wanted to do. And I always dreamed of doing. And so it doesn't matter that it, it what, what it is. It's just that I, I had always wanted to be published in that journal. So well, um, not just published, but you wouldn't have even seen this opportunity if you no, had your no. busy practice. Uh, right. If life was the way it was, you wouldn't that's, have seized the opportunity. You wouldn't have right. seen it. That's correct. There, I would have been head down, butt up, as my mom used to say. <laughs> 
um, just working really hard and not looking at the horizon. And that's what this time and space has given me. And I think it, it gives a lot of people the opportunity to pick the gaze up and to look um, at the horizon for and, and to say, yeah, I think I, I think I like to try that. Well, not just try it, but you made a massive contribution. Like, seriously, how many other people with your expertise have camp exper- experience like you do? Your family runs a camp and you know all about policy and vaccine and infectious disease and you're a pediatrician. Like, come on. I know. I just had a a resident say, did you always know? Were you training for this moment? (laughs) I just laughed. I said, no, (laughs) no. Oh, my God. No, seriously. It is. It's unbelievable what happened, but it's so obvious that you were there to help in this moment. Yeah. And, you know, Susie, having left medicine just before COVID hit, um, there were a couple of weeks where I felt really sad uh, mm-hmm. that I was not on the front lines with my comrades. Um, they were, you know, my, my, bus- my previous business was shut down because their primary care, mm-hmm. uh, they were struggling. Um, they were on the front lines and I just, I couldn't, I had to figure out how I would contribute, you know, and, and so from that grief of leave and guilt of leaving my practice right before a pandemic, um, that's, you know, again, controlling the thought process, understanding what, what that guilt and that grief is, and that it was that I wanted to make a contribution alongside other medical providers that was meaningful. That's what drove me into, you know, thinking about saying yes to the certain things that I did say yes to. And, and, and I did that by saying no to clinical practice. I, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is such huge insight. And, you know, I did a, I did an episode recently about the cost of staying stuck. And I think this illustrates it beautifully that the cost, if you wouldn't have gotten over yourself, and I say that with love and respect, right? Completely. <laughs> the love and respect itself. <laughs> the cost yeah. would have been the contribution you've made to the camp community. Thousands and thousands of kids. I mean, you probably know. And now there's policy to help people stay safe. I mean, the cost of you staying in that place, and this is only one area. But there are going to be more because you're so committed to making a contribution. And now you're freed up to start being creative and to contribute that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's astounding, the process. You know, I, I guess when I started this process, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give it a try. <laughs> we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, there's, there's not a degree at the end of this. There's not a class I can take. There's no mastery course that I can, you know, get an A plus in. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so glad you're sharing that because you're right. This is just for you. Right. This is right. just for you and the world though, right? Yeah. Because of what you can do once you manage your mind better. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And it's accessible to all of us um, if we make the space and time. That's it. Exactly. So, Dr. Blaisdell, what <laughs> advice would you give? I always think calling Dr. Ba- Blaisdell, paging, paging, like the old days with pagers. <laughs> right, right, right. right with no, but me. seriously, what um, advice would you give other women in the middle out there who are stuck and just spinning? They're just in a funk and they're spinning in confusion and stuckness. I guess I would say, I hear you, sister. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, there are so many of us. And when we walk around the grocery store, there's so many of us who are stuck, you know, and, and we, we look like we got it going on. We have our list. We're checking off things. And, um, but there are many of us who are stuck in small and large ways. And I guess I would just say, don't waste a moment of your life being stuck. You know, it, it takes a while of being in that spot before it's uncomfortable enough to move. Um, and so I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't say that there's a time or a pro, you know, process, but when, when you do realize, when we do realize that we're stuck and we're, we're ready to move, don't wait. Do it immediately um, because who knows? Who knows what's out there for you? Um, and, and I can only 
share with my experience that the the Laura who came out after the the stuckness is so much who I want to be and where I want to be. And it'll probably need to happen again. There'll be another stuckness and another growth. But now I know how to do it and how to move through it with grace and and a little bit more ease. Oh, yeah. More ease, less fear. And it's not that there's not fear. Oh, no. (laughs) no fear won't kill you, right? Just another emotion. Yes, you can feel the fear and do it anyway. And you start to think of fear as less fearful, like you're just less scared of fear. Right, right. And actually, it becomes something that some something that I I often seek out, you know, I I look for that emotion. And because fear can be very, I think you asked me, like, who are you jealous of? And I thought that was a great question. But like that, like, what, why am I fearful? Like, because fear is such a deep emotion that it, it should tell you a lot about what it is that I mean, you know, certainly there's fear of heights and things like that, which, but it's, it's to protect us, right? But in this world where we don't need that physical protection, in, but, but in, in our emotional world and in our professional world where we don't necessarily need that emotional, that, that protection, physical protection, fear can be such an interesting thing to, to push into and understand because um, it helps label the things that might be holding us back. Exactly. And there's no growth without discomfort and fear. Like if you're stagnant, you're feeling safe and comfortable. But if you want to grow, you're doing new things. So of course you're going to be a little uncomfortable. It's new thing. I mean, you couldn't even be in a quiet space. I've had some clients tell me they can't even read a book. (laughs) Like it's just so hard. It feels so indulgent to just be still and think. Yep. And sometimes it's it's the perfect thing. It's the only thing that's required to fuel the growth that you're that you're so desperate for. You're so hungry for, yeah. you know. The truth, the truth is that now, you know, with being so busy again, um, I'm finding that I need to check myself once again. And and you know, coming coming and having this time with you has been such a gift because it it reminds me that you know I, once again I'm having trouble. Um, sitting and I'm having trouble. Be, um, I haven't, it's been a long time since I've thought about my thoughts and my thought process. And um, so it's a, a good, a good reminder to that we all need to recommit um, uh, to, to doing that sort of the, those processes on a regular basis. <laughs> oh yeah. Like honestly, when I met with that coach and she asked me about my ideal day, that was a wake up call to me too. I'm like, why don't I even have a thought about what my ideal <laughs> would look like right right that's a good i think that that might be what i uh journal about tonight (laughs) awesome (laughs) i think it's an excellent one awesome well thank you so much for sharing today is there anything that you want to promote or how can people get a hold of you um i think the best way is to send me an email through my my website uh luckily www.laurablaisdell.com was not taken when when i decided to do my developing business Awesome. And also, um, are people able to contact you about camp issues like this too? Yes. Yep. My, um, that the same, the same website, um, allows people to read about the, the consulting and the, um, business that I, I am doing. I'm working with schools additionally, um, camps, um, residential, uh, colleges. And, uh, so the, the, the lessons learned in the camp setting have lots of uh, applicability across many different areas. So, yes. That's amazing. And it doesn't need to be in Maine either, right? Not with Zoom and everything. Nope. Unfortunately, luckily now, uh, you know, uh, the, the time difference is the only thing to consider in terms of, of, of working with folks. And I think that's been was a true uh, motivator for me too, Susie, with you, because you are in Toronto, but you're making, you know, live life changing um, conversations with people all over. Oh, all over the place. But I do have to have one of those time apps because it yeah. gets confusing. Right? <laughs> Exactly. I still can't convert to Pacific time from East. No, no, it's too challenging. Well, thank you so much, Laura. What a delight. And it's always so much fun to check back with clients to see about all the amazing things that they're doing and insights and continued growth. Your story is truly inspirational. I have the biggest grin on my face. I am so happy. This is how coaches get their jollies. Seriously, you, I mean, I was happy to be along for the ride, but you did such amazing work. And I can see that there's still such ripple effects for 
the continued insights that you have and the just the way you're able to contribute now that you've unleashed yourself and unstuck yourself. It's so much fun. So thank you so much. I wish you all the best. Thank you for challenging me, Susie. All right. Great interview, right? I'm sure you took a lot from meeting Laura. She was stuck just like the rest of us, and she knew something wasn't right. She wasn't growing. She knew she wanted to make a different kind of an impact, but wasn't sure how. Little did she know that she was already on her path, that everything she had done before was guiding her forward to contribute in a pretty unique way. I mean, really. She didn't know that becoming the COVID camp queen was a royal title just waiting for her to accept. Who could figure that out? My goodness, she just couldn't see it. There wasn't the obvious, clear kind of path that she was used to, and nobody knew what was going to happen with the pandemic. It's such a common experience and really one of the most important insights I've had since launching this podcast and meeting so many amazing women in the middle. You're already on the path. When you think about pivoting and having a second career, it feels so separate and you think it has to be so different. But more times than not, at least from what I see, time and time again, it's really a reimagining that's the next step to help you continue to move forward. As Laura said, pick up the gaze, look at the horizon. Your experiences up to this date count more than you know, and definitely give yourself more time to think and to be. The downtime is part of the path forward, even though it doesn't often feel like it. I find that really comforting, don't you? You don't have to have all of the answers to keep moving forward. Okay, that's it for this episode. As you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. Stuck about aging, about empty nest, about relationships, about your career, about being compassionate to yourself, about all of it. It's time to get excited about your life again, my friend. So remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I'm here to help. When you hire me as your private coach, you are not going to believe what's possible in your life and the transformation that you will be ready to make. I know you might not think you really, really need help like this and that if you just listen to the perfect podcast episode, you'll have the answers you need. And I would say that if you're on the fence about working with me, just go ahead and book the call. Let's talk. There are different ways to experience change and growth. And one way is what you're experiencing right now. Another way is with coaching. I can help you grow faster. You'll see the connections and insights more clearly. And we're going to laugh a lot too because Learning to be more curious is fun. And learning to be more compassionate with yourself is life-changing. It is so, so good. And it's a beautiful gift to give yourself. So head over to www.talktosusie.com and book your free Get Unstuck call there. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com. To get your hands on nine secrets to get unstuck in your 50s, Go to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 